What is up, everyone? We are back with another episode of Shake Being the Culture, and I am excited. I am excited for this episode. I'm excited for the content. It's going to be a good episode. But before we get into it, I owe you two apologies. The first apology being, I am so sorry for not producing content consistently. I know there's been many people that have been hitting us up, just asking when we're going to drop the next episode, uh, when we're going to do another episode. And so I'm greatly, uh, I'm greatly, greatly, greatly appreciative of the interest. And I'm deeply, deeply sorry for taking forever. And so we're actually working on uh, being a little bit more consistent right now. We got some things in the works. And so pray for us that we produce content more consistently. Also, if you have any other pointers, if you have any other perspectives or inputs, uh, feel free to hit us up and just tell us what you guys would like to hear from us. We do whatever we can in our power to make your listening experience more enjoyable. We're doing this to serve you guys. And so whatever way in which we could do that, um, let us know. And we would like to do that I also want to apologize because my co-host Mickey is not with me today. He is under the weather. He's not feeling great. He's a little bit sick. And so pray for him as well that he um, gets healed and that he recovers quickly. And so this is a little bit different for me, a little awkward. I'm out of my element. I'm doing this by myself. But hey, we got, you know, the show goes on. We got to continue uh, with this. And so, uh, like I said, we're We're excited about today's episode and the content. Um, We're going to be talking about homosexuality. And uh, we wanted to talk about this because it's such a hot topic right now in our culture, in our churches. And so uh, this, is a, this is a topic that uh, a lot of people have different views on. This is a topic or uh, a conversation that many people, um, you know, kind of, uh, you, know, you know, it's a really divisive conversation at times, depending on the context. And so um, we, we wanted to just chip in and share our perspective and our heart when it comes to this. Um, you know, we want to acknowledge the nuances. We want to acknowledge um, the different ways in which we can really process um, homosexuality because it is a conversation that needs to be had. And so I would even encourage all our listeners to not shy away from topics such as these. I know um, if you're part of the Abisha cultures, I am growing up. Um, it was very much so demonized. It was very much so on the hush hush. Like nobody wanted to talk about it. Nobody want. It was just it's a sin and that's it. And so I think that has hurt us in a lot of ways. And so we wanted to bring this conversation to the light to kind of you know produce clarity and uh, perspective and give us a, a direction in the way in which we should handle it, think through it biblically, and then love people properly. Right? It's not good to just grow in our understanding. It's not just good to know but it's we're called to do better as well. And so hopefully this conversation evokes more conversation and not just conversation, but it really develops in you a way in which you can love people and serve people um, and be there for people. I know, um, again, not every Christian views this topic the same. I know within even our um, uh, faith, our, uh, our uh, uh, Christianity, there's a lot of different ways to view this and look at this and you know, a lot of different beliefs on it, whether it's a sin or not. Um, we're definitely coming from the perspective of it being a sin, uh, but we definitely wanted to talk about how to engage this sin properly because I think Christians do a poor job of a talking about it, thinking about it, 
and you know dealing with people that subscribe to that and so we want to be the light um, right we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus and so we could do that best by understanding this topic best and so I'm excited for today we have an amazing and incredible person with us I'm so excited uh, she was with us at glory 18 engaging culture she shut that mug down it was so good um, and so I'm excited about this episode because I know she's going to um, shed a lot of light and wisdom on this as well. Some of you may know her. Some of you may not. She is a poet. She is an MC, right? She's a fantastic communicator of the gospel. And as of recent, she's an author. And she just put out her first book, Gay Girl, Good God. And that is why we have her on this show today. So without further ado, help me introduce, help me as we welcome one of my favorite people. Yo, guys, uh, we have the same humor, by the way. Uh, She cracks me up a lot. uh, And so I'm excited for this conversation and where it's going to go. But uh, without further ado, we got Jackie Hill Perry. So we got Jackie here with us. Jackie, how are you doing? I'm good. You? I'm I'm doing well. It's getting cold here in Minnesota, and so I'm just trying to stay warm. Um, how's Atlanta treating you? Uh, it's 80 degrees and raining. So oh my goodness, 80 I'm degrees. Take a nap. <laughs> you know it's crazy. Actually, it's been raining a lot here in Minnesota as well. I'm kind of getting tired of the the cloudy skies. Yeah, it's kind of dismal, but you know, that's life. For sure, for sure. Uh, well, I want to, again, thank you for willing, being, being willing to do this. Um, I really appreciate you. And so um, we'll, we'll just start off here with this first question. Um, you just put out a book entitled Gay Girl, Good God. And so my first question is, why did you decide to write a book about this? Yeah, um... Even though I feel like there's a lot of resources and a lot of books out there, uh, I don't think there's ever too many books that you can have that, you know, talk about truth as it relates to sexuality. Mm. Um, So I just kind of wanted to uh, communicate my story, my experience, but also the gospel to people who are trying to help the gay community, those who are in the church who still are same-sex attracted, and those who are not in the church um, that don't really fully know how they feel or what to feel about God and what yeah. he has to say. For sure, for sure. So would you say that also ties in with some of the goals that you had for writing this book? For sure. I think, yeah, I think my goal mainly was to to talk to them, you know, in all different, uh, the different contexts and spaces that those three groups are in. I just wanted to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, be a be a be a resource, be a help for them, but also mainly for them to see that God ultimately is the center of this entire conversation. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, so, for for those who don't know, um, I hope people will know by now. Um, you know, you were a practicing homosexual at one point um, in your right. life, right? Um, and so, in your book, you talk about that. You talk about your experiences, as you just alluded. And so something you said that was really interesting um, in your book that really like stuck out to me was, you know, even before you were saved, um, you just had a knowing that this wasn't right. Um, You felt Uh like 
it wasn't uh, natural. Um, can you tell us what that felt like? Or I don't know, can you, is that, do you think that was just your experience? Do you think everybody has a similar experience that is practicing um, homosexuality? I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I think, I know for me, uh, when I was actively gay, um, I think a lot of my awareness of it just came from hearing the scriptures. I, I was raised around mm. church. Um, and so, you know, I had heard about God and Jesus and how he felt about sin, how he felt about sexuality. I had read it for myself. And I was, I just never convinced myself that what was in the scriptures wasn't true. I really believed that it was true. Mm. It just wasn't true enough for me to submit to it. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. If anything, I was one of the worst kinds of sinners. But I'm like, no, it's, it's right, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, it's a... I, I think in some, I think in many ways, every human being mm. knows the truth. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they suppress the truth by their unrighteousness. Yeah. Um, so I think we all come in contact with truth in different ways. I think there are some people that it might be a new thing to hear that, you know, sexuality or same sexuality or, or acting out of that, that's the wrong language yeah. I'm using. But submitting ourselves to our sexual affection, that that sinful that might be new news to some body yeah but once they hear it now they're accountable for it to believe it so that's good that's good um i mean even along line along the lines of that um you you pointed out something interesting in the book where you said you know you know um basically how uh you have been hurt by men um one being your father and one, you, you give uh, an example of how you were, you know, sexually abused as a young uh, child. Uh, but you, you kind of say that both of those things had nothing to do with you being um, gay. And so can you kind of tell us uh, how it all started for you, maybe, or uh, when you started first uh, being tempted with these thoughts, because I know a lot of the times, you know, when we do hear stories of, oh, they were sexually abused, or maybe they have bad experiences um, with men or with women or what have you, that's the reason why, you know, they turned gay. Yeah. But you explicitly said that that was not the reason. And so do you know how this kind of came to be for you? Yeah, I don't think it's the ultimate reason. I think it's a factor, Okay. but I don't think it's the reason it exists. Um, and I think that's because when you look at the text in scripture, it's a bug on my car, but when you look at uh, <laughs> scripture, we don't see our upbringings or the way we were yeah. nurtured or all of that to be the blame for our actions. Mm. Um, they attribute to, I think, the decisions that we make, of course, but ultimately the problem is that we have a nature yeah. um, that is sinful. And so I think for me... I don't remember. I don't remember me experiencing same-sex attraction for the first time after the abuse, okay. or after I, I came to recognize that my father rejected me. I remember noticing it in kindergarten, way before any mm. of that stuff existed. But what I do think happened is that when my dad was being just a terrible dad, and when I was molested, I think that confirmed to me that this affection is something that's right mm. and safe mm. um, in many ways. For sure, for sure. Um, that's real. I think, like, 
we we forget that a lot of times that you know we were born into sin and you know we were born rebelling against God and I, I like how you put that that we just have different things in life that kind of attribute to that or affirm yeah. yeah for sure for sure um one thing I really was encouraged by with your story is um you know this this idea that God was after not just that part of your life but every aspect of your life right that uh, he didn't just want to, you know, save you from being um, gay, but he also wanted to make you righteous and save you from all other areas of your life that you were falling uh, short in. And I think a lot of the times, I mean, I, I've heard you say this like in interviews and in sermons that, you know, we are kind of like homosexual evangelists where we're only after that one particular <laughs> sin. Um, what advice would you give the church in engaging people that subscribe to this? to homosexuality? There's a lot, but I think primarily the gospel, bring the gospel back into the conversation, um, mm. meaning um, a whole bunch of worldly things are not going to fix a person's depravity. So what I mm. mean by that is you have parents who once they discover that their son is gay, they're like, oh, we're going to put him in football. And then we're going to connect him with a really pretty girl. And we're going to, like, it's like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah. That is not going to change this man's affections. If yeah. anything, it's going to shame him into a place where he feels like he can't be honest about where he is and yeah. what he likes and who he feels as is, is true to himself. Um, and so really recognizing that this, this is an issue of sin, that our, our affections have been affected by sin and, and its mm. place in our hearts. But... What the cross of Christ says is that if this person believes the gospel, not changes their clothes, not goes to a school with more uh, people of the opposite sex, not all of that. If this person believes that Jesus is in, in, in converted, what First Corinthians six ten says is that, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were justified, and you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God, which is to say that they may not be heterosexual. But they will be justified. They will be made right with God. They mm. may not be heterosexual, wow. but they will be sanctified. They will be made holy. They may not be heterosexual, yeah. but they will be glorified. They will, at one time, one day, see the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I think the, the, the aim that we have to bring people to is the aim of God in all things, which is for us to know Him and love Him and glorify Him. Yeah. Um, and so heterosexuality cannot be the primary goal that we have for the people in our lives that are gay. It has to be holiness, and it has to be knowing Jesus. Yeah, no, that that's so good. It's interesting that you say that because, you know, growing up, I, you know, I, I didn't really see it that way. I thought, you know, if you got saved, that you would all of a sudden become heterosexual, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. And so, but you, you state that in the book that now, like, God's saving you, you still had same-sex attraction. Can you talk about that a little bit? I think you, like, gave a story of um, you being at your workplace and... Um, you, I think this is right after you got saved and um, you saw uh-huh. somebody that you were really attracted to and just fighting through that internally. Um, what was that like to be saved but still struggle with the same temptation? Well, yeah, the, the story in the, the book, that was the day after I gave my life wow. to the Lord. So that was, that was just really new for me to um, experience temptation hmm. and now know that I have to resist it. Yeah. Prior to that, I never resisted. I just I just did what I felt like doing. Um, but that first situation, 
revelation is when I just asked God to help me. I didn't know in the book I say I didn't know any scriptures. I didn't know nothing to say. It was just God help me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when I realized that God would that mm. He really would help me to to resist temptation. And that knowing Him did not mean that I would not still have the same affection. Uh, but that I would have a primary affection that would overrule all of us, wow. that I love God more than anything. Yeah. And so I think in Christ, um, I think I've recognized that, like, man, I'm a human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and as a human being on earth, I am still very much going to be tempted by the same, the same things that I used to be tempted by. And if anything, be tempted in new ways that I wasn't tempted prior. Yeah. But... I've I've come to believe that Jesus does not despise me for my temptations, but he Mm. empathizes with me because he became a human being too. Mm. And even though he was tempted, he resisted every single time. And so he empathizes with me and he helps me. And so if that is the case, then I have immense hope um, in this life. Yeah, that's so good. Um, What would you say to um, somebody that's like struggling, somebody that believes in God, but just is tired of fighting um how do you like reconcile being a new nature but still dealing with your old one right like this back and forth battle of constantly fighting for holiness like how would you encourage someone because i you know i've had conversations with some and you know i've heard i've i've had people tell me you know it's not um it's not practical or it's not fair for somebody to have to wrestle with this for the rest of their lives why they deserve love you know why can't they just uh practice uh what is so natural to them and it's not because they don't have a desire to get over it or maybe even not believe it's you know wrong but just this this constant battle of fighting to 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 be the new nature that we've been promised. Uh, what what would you say to somebody that's struggling to remain holy? I think there's two things. I think one is that Jesus got tired too. Mm. Um, like if anything, <laughs> he understands perseverance and endurance in a way that we never would be able to because he resisted every single temptation. Yeah. Ever <laughs> in 33 years, like we can't resist that ten minutes at the time. So for him to to do that is to say that he he's someone that we can look to and say, man, that it, it's possible through him. Yeah. Um, but I think also, I think what deception does, I think weariness oftentimes can deceive us into thinking that we deserve to let go or we deserve to just kind of, you know, indulge a little bit. But it also deceives us into believing that to give up would be the best thing to do. Mm. When really... Um, it might be the easiest thing to do, but yeah. it's never worth it. Yeah. Um, I, sin can never, ever, ever, ever be a worthy thing. It, yeah. it just can't be. And so I think the, the attention has to become, let me not just spend time dwelling on how difficult this is, yeah. but let me remind myself of what this difficulty will lead to. It leads to eternal life. It leads to a crown of life. It leads to seeing the face of the Lord and where he says good, job, my, like, well done, my uh, good and faithful, not perfect, but faithful servant, yeah. that servant that stuck it out, yeah. and so I, I think looking to Jesus, but also keeping your eye on eternity, um, has, a, has a powerful way of allowing you to endure um, and not lose hope. That's good, that's good, that's amazing. Um, kind of switching gears here, I think that, um, you know, in 
you know, not everybody's story is that, you know, um, those that were gay that they turn, um, you know, you know, they become heterosexual or that, you know, they even get married. And in the book, you know, you kind of talk about your story of how you and Preston met and um, falling in love and getting married and the difficulties in that whole process was like. Um, but you, you also said something that really stuck out to me. Um, you talk about how the evidence of your salvation was not that you got married, but that you were obeying God. Um, can, can you help us unpack that? Like, what, what did you mean by that? my story um, as like to cast vision for their gay friends and family members yeah. it's like look at her she's <laughs> married now with a couple of kids you can do the same <laughs> and it's like okay it's like, and I think what it does is it's just discouraging because it it, it, it makes it seem like this marriage is the stamp of deliverance mm. and this marriage is the proof that God has actually changed me and made me new. Um, But that's not the case. I was bearing fruits of the, 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 bearing the fruits of the Spirit the day after I gave my life to Jesus that God had changed me, that God had made me to somebody new. Um, And so I I, I felt the need to communicate that just because I didn't want those who struggle with same-sex attraction to believe that they have to be they have to get married to be made whole. Yeah. Um, I wanted them to know that, no, this is a distinctive calling that the Lord God gave me, which is actually one that has its own level of burden that people may not recognize to be still very much same-sex attracted, yet at the same time attracted to a man. That could be real confusing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so there's a burden that I carry um, that I think uh, would be easier for many to not you know, if they were just called to singleness and submitted their lives to that. So, yeah, it's just, I think it's just foolish to make marriage like the end-all, be-all, like this is something that will last beyond eternity. For sure. So what would you say to somebody that doesn't want to be lonely then? Or somebody that's like, what? You know, like, I, I don't yeah. see myself marrying the opposite sex. What does that mean for me? You know, like how, yeah. you know, what, what would you just say, say to somebody that uh, desires intimacy, that desires community, that desires fellowship, um, but, yeah. you know, maybe marriage isn't the, the route that they, they take to get that? Yeah, one, I would affirm that to desire intimate relationships is, to be an image bearer of the living God. Mm. And so uh, God did say in Genesis 1 that it's not good for man to be alone. So I would affirm that that desire is okay. What I would say, though, is that sexual intimacy is not the only intimacy that we can experience. And I think we live in a culture that has propagated this as if that is the truest form of intimacy that exists. Mm. Um, but even sex will be done away with. Even marriage will be done away with. Yeah. But what what relationship is this? The relationship between God and his church and the church with the church. Wow. And so if wow. anything, I think I would I would I would I would call, I would tell them to really study what it means to be in community. Study study all of the good things that God has for us in being in relationship and in fellowship with other believers in his church. Um, but also recognizing that that might very well be the cross that you have to carry. Yeah. That might be uh, what 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 the Lord has given for you to, to bear in this lifetime. But again, um, this life is not that long. Mm. It feels long. 
but it's not that long. Yeah. And so that is the cross that God has for you to carry. Um, know that he also empathizes with you with that because Jesus was very single and very much human. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we lift up how he's God, as we should, but I think we forget how human he also was. Yeah. And so hi, he can understand and empathize even with you in that. Um, but he always had people around him and he was always, he was always fully home because he loved God. That's real. That's so good. Um, man, I, I just had like so many questions, but we're like limited on time. Oh, man. Uh, I, you know, one thing I did want to bring up with you, and this is like a conversation I have um, with some friends um, that live out in L.A., and they, you know, the culture in L.A. is completely different. I know you know a little bit about that because you yeah. lived in L.A. for some time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they deal with a lot of, you know, believers that believe that um, it's not a sin, right, to be gay or not to not not be gay, but practice homosexuality. Um, uh-huh. And so what, what would you say? What's your take on the growing number of evangelical churches that, you know, are adopting or affirming the stance on, you know, homosexuality? If anything is to be expected, I think throughout history, we have seen, um, since the beginning of time, even, <laughs> with the devil in the garden with Eve, with Eve, how there is a spiritual and demonic aspect at work that yeah. allows people to presume that disobedience is a right thing to do. Yeah. Um, she looked at the tree and thought it was good for food, desired to make more wise, the delight in the eyes. He told her, you will not surely die. Mm. Like he, he took the word of God, twisted it, and made her believe that to disobey would be a good thing. You know, yeah. and so I think that it's not new. But I also think that a lot of it is indicative of people who have not known how to study the scriptures from John. Yeah. I think it's easier to interpret scriptures um, with experience in mind when you have not learned how to do it in every single way. And so a lot of these people probably don't know hermeneutics at all. Yeah. Probably haven't been listening to exposition to exposition of teaching at all. And that's an, that's an, that's an assumption and that's a judgment. Mm. But I think if you, you have to, you have to disregard a lot of stuff to come to the conclusion that certain sexual practices are not sinful. Yeah. You have to do a whole lot to do that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think we just have to get back to the basis of how do we be, this is a book of literature. If you read Cat in the Hat, right? Yeah. There is a way to read Cat in the Hat to come up to the conclusion that Dr. Seuss wanted you to have. Mm. If you come out saying that book is about a snake with a hat, <laughs> you read it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. I mean, going along with that, uh, just to kind of continue playing devil's advocate, um, you know, do you foresee a a world where 30 years from now, the church will look at the gay discussion similarly to how they once saw the woman's right discussion? Um, You know, kind of like, did we have it wrong all along, right? Did we miss some things here? Did we not interpret it correctly? You know what I'm saying? Do you feel like that might come to be, or do you think that this interpretation of scripture will be constant and will be true even 30 years from now? 
mind is going to change, even though the world's will. So yeah. I think the church, the actual bride of Christ, will stay true to Scripture. Okay. The world, meaning the world that's in the church, meaning the mm. world that preaches, meaning the world that has some gifts, that that group of people, sure, they'll think that this is the same conversation. But me dignifying a woman. And saying that she is an image bearer of the living God is actually true to Scripture. So that yeah. tells me that the people that didn't believe it didn't believe the Scripture from drunk. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think, I, I think honestly, that would be that's two different conversations. For sure, for sure. Um, that's good. That's good stuff. What What would be your encouragement for? Um, believers, um, you know, I, I know like, you know, one of your, one of the reasons why you wrote this book is to kind of encourage believers love this community a lot better. Um, but how, how would you say that we could do that? Um, I think remembering that gay people are people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I feel like, uh, like I, I had a podcast the other day and somebody was like, you know, my brother uh, is gay. How should I love him? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? The interesting thing is, I feel like there aren't any podcasts or books or conferences where people are saying, hey, my uncle's a gambling addict. How do mm-hmm. I love him? Like, that just doesn't come up. Yeah. My, my auntie gossips too much. How do I love her? Yeah. You know what you do? You usually just love your auntie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you eat with your auntie. And you laugh at the ugly when, when she do something funny, you know. But when things come up that need to be addressed, you address it. Yeah. And so, I, but I think that's because you haven't made gambling or you haven't made gossip the center of your aunt or your uncle's personhood. Mm. You see that that's just an action that they do yeah. and that they're deceived about. And so, I think as I think when we when we think about our friends that are gay and that are lesbian, we need to get back to just thinking of them as people, as human beings who are made in the image of God. And that they, what they do is what they do. It's not who they are. Mm. Um, this is not uh, our person. That is not our sexuality is not the center of who God made us to be. Yeah. Um, us being image bearers is the center of God, who God made us to be. And so, loving them like that, you That's know, good. I think that changes our perspectives on how we engage with people when we see that we're, they're so much more than who they are attracted to. Yeah, that's so good. That's real. Well, thank you so much. Again, like I said, I have a million questions, but uh, we don't have that time. Um, but I want to I wanna like just applaud you and you know, thank you for being vulnerable with your experiences. I read the book and um, it was really good. And I loved how as, as much as you're telling your story, you're giving the gospel. Um, and you're, yeah. you're, as, as you're telling your story, you're also telling God's story. And so um, thank you for being bold in um, the day and age we live in. I know it's not a popular thing to talk about some of the things you're talking about, and I know it's um, causing a lot of great conversation. And so thank you, and uh, thank you for joining thank us you. on Shaping the Culture as well. Appreciate it. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon, Jackie. All right, bro. All right, see ya. Bye. Well, there you have it, guys, Shaping the Culture featuring Jackie Hill. Perry, if you guys have not read her book, I really recommend for you guys to read it, uh, Gay Girl, Good God. 
Um, I know we didn't have a lot of time, so we didn't get to go in depth with a lot of the questions I asked or even a lot of things I did want to ask that I get a chance to ask. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff there and it, it definitely gets the conversation going. And so um, if you're looking for uh, ways in which you can understand this topic a little bit more um, deeply or if you're looking for ways in which you can love people better, or understand even the gay community a little bit more better, I really recommend this book. Um, and so uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shaping the Culture. Again, we'll be more productive and more faithful in producing content more consistently. Thank you for bearing with us, and I'm excited for next time. Until then, grace and peace, family. Have a blessed one.